Tala Falava and welcome to another episode of the Reads with Rossa podcast. I'm your host, Rossa. I'd like to shout out everyone who's been tuning in every week. I really appreciate the love and support. If you are a regular listener on the podcast platforms, don't forget to click the follow button. If you prefer visuals, then head on over to YouTube and check out the video episode. Don't forget to click like and subscribe to the channel. So without further ado, enjoy this week's show. Welcome to the Reads of Rossa podcast. On today's show, we have a Hawaiian and Samoan sister. She is an aspiring author and a fellow bookstagrammer. Welcome to the show, Kelani. How are you? Thank you. I'm good. How are you? I am great. I'm great, sis. It's so good to have you on the show. Um, I'm all, I know every week I say, I'm so excited, but I really am, sis. I'm so excited to have you here um, so we can chat about books and yeah, share a little bit about your journey with, with our audience. So um, before we even get into my questions, could you just give a brief introduction? Like, who is Kelani? Where are you from? Um, where are your cultural roots? Uh, where are you based? So go ahead. So I'm Kelani Nathane. I'm from Hawaii. I grew up in Hawaii. Um, my dad is from Samoa and my mom is from Hawaii. Um, so my dad grew up in um, Upolu and then also in Utah. So he went back and forth. Um, and uh, my mom grew up in Hawaii, mostly in Haleiwa. So Haleiwa is pretty famous for their shea biting. I don't know. Maybe not, but, <laughs> but that's where she grew up. And then um, I grew up in Hawaii and then I uh, I'm married, I have a husband, and then we have two kids, and uh, we decided to stay in Hawaii and raise our kids here. Uh, oh, and I run uh, the bookstagram, Little Pacifica Readers. <laughs> yes, yes, we're going to get to that, sis, we are going to get to that. You know, um, I read this article, um, and this has nothing to do with books, but I read an article um, in the New York Times, I think it might have been end of June, um, and they were talking, I guess, to some locals in, mm -hmm. in Hawaii and, and asking, you know, getting their thoughts on this idea of tourism opening back up mm -hmm. um, and people flocking to Hawaii again. <laughs> I mean, are you seeing that? Because I, one of the quotes that I, I saw was, there's just the sense of entitlement. This was a quote from one of the locals in regards to people just flocking back into, you know, onto the island. So do you see that? Are you seeing a lot of tourists uh, coming back in now with people getting vaccinated and uh, the borders opening up? Yeah, there's a lot of tourists here. And I think the biggest difference is the kind of tourists that we have now, because before the pandemic, we had a ton of Japanese tourists. Those were our main tourists. And then uh, wherever else from the world. But right now, there's not really very many Japanese tourists. The tourists are mainly from the continental US. And so there's a huge shift in the cultural differences and the way they treat us here and the way they treat our land. But we've always had a huge problem with tourism in Hawaii, where the government kind of puts tourists and profits ahead of the people on the land here. And so there's always been a back and forth and an issue with that. But I think during the pandemic, there were very few tourists, 
so we actually got to enjoy parts of the island that we've never been to before. <laughs> like I've never been able to walk down Waikiki Strip and it just be completely empty and we can just actually go in the water and go swimming. Um, but if you went today to Waikiki Strip, it's just like you can't even walk anywhere. It's just everyone is right next to each other. Wow. Um, and then I guess my next question is in terms of the vaccination rollout, how is that going? I mean, with tourists flocking back in and in terms of locals, like are you getting access to vaccinations? Is the rollout going okay? Are people... Uh, are people going to get vaccinated? You know, are they getting vaccinated or are there protests? I mean, you know, you see this um, different parts of the world. There are protests against um, the vaccination and there are many theories out there, conspiracy theories. What's it like um, where you are? Uh, what do so you see? Where, where we're at, the Hawaii government has taken it very seriously. So, um, we're not like Samoa where our borders are completely shut down. Our borders are open. We can't close our borders at all because the Hawaii, the state government isn't over that. That's a federal government thing. Um, but they do have mandates in. So people who come through into Hawaii, they have to either show that they're vaccinated with a vaccination card or they have to get tested um, three within three days before they arrive and then they have to show proof of that as they come into Hawaii. And then as far as people getting vaccinated in Hawaii, there's still that um, some people really believe in the vaccination and some people are anti-vaccination. Um, but for the most part, what I've seen and the people in my family are pretty much pro-vaccination. So <clears throat> um, yeah, so I think the last statistics I saw was something like 60, percent of Hawaii is vaccinated, um, which I don't know if that's high or not. Um, and then, but if you broke it down, the really interesting thing is if you look at the map, if you break it down, it's super interesting to see which areas of Hawaii are vaccinated more than other areas. So if you look downtown, they have a very, very high vaccination rate, like 70, 60%. But if you look to where I live, and if you go more west, where um, there's not as there's not a greater access to healthcare. It's like a 35% vaccination rate. So there's different uh, things going on where people are pushing for other people to get vaccinated, and yeah. And but so, that's where how it is where I'm at, why right. where I am. <laughs> yeah. So in terms of school, um, you know, mm -hmm. the school year is beginning. I don't know if it started out your way, um. But are schools back in session? Uh, were, were kids online last year? Um, you know, it sounds like there were very strict protocols in place there. So are schools back in session or is it still online learning? Yeah, so schools are back in session in Hawaii. My mom's a fifth grade teacher and then I have nieces in school. Um, so everyone has to wear a mask in school. I think we're the only place in the United States that has that mask. I don't know, maybe other places have it, but um, everyone has to wear a mask in school. And then um, the students are three feet apart. And then some places have partitions. And my mom said that her school, they have to, they keep the AC going, but they can keep the doors and the windows open to get a good air ventilation. 
And so, and then my mom said all of their meetings with adults are virtual. Mm. That's interesting because, you know, um, talking about the keeping the windows and the AC, mm-hmm. because obviously now, like in Japan, I mean, it's summer as well. So that's probably how we're going to, because when we were, we had that whole, it sounds like very similar to your mum's school where we had, they had to be this uh, much feet apart. We were uh, wearing masks right throughout the year because we never went back to online learning like we did all last year face-to-face like Mm -hmm. um, in person and kids had to bring in temperature sheets every day parents signing off we had to check in our temperatures come in school scan on the computer you know all that kind of stuff so there were all these different things in place Um, but man in winter it was so cold in Tokyo (laughs) and so we'd have the heat on but then we have to keep the windows open and it was just like man people wanting to you know like people getting all aggro and stuff because it'd be like freezing as but we have to open the windows and it was just like you go close the window because it's cold and then someone open it like and so now I'm thinking when we go back to school next week with the kids coming and it's so hot here right now I imagine there's going to be a lot of like you know yeah the push and pull and fight me <laughs> so um but it's, it's you know it's really good to hear um that you know your mom's school um they're trying to make it a safer place um I, I saw you tweet something maybe I think it was a few days ago and I responded and said you know I think one of my biggest worries um as a teacher is is, is the vaccination like who's mm-hmm. not getting vaccinated who is getting vaccinated. I mean, we cannot do anything about it. It's not like we can say we're not going to teach this child or because their family don't want. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's just something that's always there. Like that's something that we. That's like another worry to add to the other many many worries that are kind of out of our control mm-hmm. during this pandemic. Do you know what I mean? So, oh, anyways. Um, I wanted to ask, in regards to reading, I know you're a reader, you're a bookworm, you love books, you love reading. Were you, when you were growing up, were there books in your house? Like, did you have access to books? Were you going to the local library? Were you even a reader when you were younger? (laughs) I was a huge reader. I was so shy when I was a kid, and I really found uh, a community in books. Um, and so we, I mean, we had some books in our house, but my mom really focused more on the library. I think, I don't know, my mom's really cheap, so she doesn't like to buy things. So wherever she can get the free stuff, that's where we go. So we went to the library, uh, maybe once a week. And then in the summer, we always did the summer reading program. Um, but I, all the books that I read were always about white kids. I didn't even realize that at the time until I was older. I loved the Boxcar Children, the Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen series. I don't know why I was like all about their series. And then um, the Sweet Valley High, the Babysitter's Club. Um, yeah, all of those books were, I just devoured all of them. And there's a million books in the series. So those are all my, all my favorites. I, I mean, I, that resonates with me because I, I too, growing up, didn't think about representation. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. in, the, in this day and age, we think about representation in books in terms of 
you know, who are the characters that our students or our children are seeing in books, right? But I didn't think about that. Like when I was growing up, I just loved to read and mm-hmm. I just wanted to be that character in that book. I wanted to be living in this country. Do you know what I mean? I never thought about, oh, that's a white character or that's mm-hmm. or that there were barely any book, no brown characters in the books that I was reading. So, you know, now when we think about it, there's this, um, and it's important, right? I guess now as adults looking back, it's like, wow, at what point for you did you realize, oh, there's not really anyone that looks like me in these books, <laughs> you know, like as an avid reader, did what was the point where you got to and you were like, wait a minute, what's going on? I didn't even realize that until I was in my 20s. <laughs> mm. When I first read Teresa by Lani Wen Young, that was the first time I had ever seen myself in a book. And it, that's the first time it clicked. Um, and so, yeah, I was much older when I finally realized it. <laughs> yeah, I I enjoyed, I love reading. Like, I remember um, it might have been like, I think in uni where I started reading Albert Wendt's books. And then I, I think from then was like, oh, wow. You know, because he was writing about the islands, the Samoa and stuff. And I was just like, okay, this is cool. People that I, you know, you can relate to that kind of village setting. But it, it, still, it wasn't like, oh, there's someone like me in a book. It was just mm-hmm. like, wow, there's, there's an author writing about our people. Okay, that's different. Do you know what I mean? That's but now how I was, like, I was too. Yeah. Because in, in high school, I took a Pacific, it was the first Pacific literature class at my high school, and I took it, and my teacher was super adamant about having Pacific authors. So we had um, Patricia Grace, Albert Went Young, I mean, all of the famous authors yeah. at that time, but I never saw myself in their books, <laughs> because yeah. their their books were very much like literary fiction, and I didn't... I mean, I enjoyed their books, but I was all about fantasy. Like, give me a book about a, a Samoan vampire or like, yeah. <laughs> or like a Samoan werewolf, and then I'll see myself. So I think that's why Telesa was such a, a life-changing book for me, um, even though I loved other books, but yeah. that's how I saw myself at that time. Man, you know, when I think of the Telesa books, like, I remember because re- I'm one of the, like I remember reading it in the series, and I just I want to see it on screen. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like I, she opened up, you know, she opened up my thinking to so many. You know, when I read that series, I was like, oh wow, okay, okay. So this is you know, again, this is something different. We haven't seen this before from you know a Pacific Island author, and I straight away thought, why can't we? have this on the big screen you know why can't they make a series about this because I want to see those people in real life (laughs) you know like I want to see I want to see those storylines on the big screen um and I remember doing this this uh, I was on this zoom where um I asked her will you do an audiobook because I want to hear the stories you know to me like the age that we live in it's not enough just to read the book like I want to see it on the I want everything I want everything like right now you have no choice you have to but yeah I would love to hear her books Mm -hmm. and audio and I especially love um the Scarlet series 
Oh, Have you read yes. the Galaxy? Oh my God. So, so, I'm like, the let me just I catch my breath. <laughs> let me just catch my breath. Give me a minute. Um, but I would love to hear that. Um, but the, I think the other thing is, you know, like, I just want to hear that island humor. I want to mm -hmm. hear it in voice, you know, because we know Islanders, you know, crazy, funny ass sense of humor, but you know, there's some quirky things in the book and I want to hear that. Anyways, enough about me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do too. <laughs> I want to hear the mom yell at them. <laughs> <laughs> and the aunties and yeah. all that crazy stuff. Um, so do you have a favorite uh, childhood book? Um, I mean, you've mentioned some, you know, some book, but was there the one favorite book that you can think back to and go, that was, that was it, that was it for me? And there were so many. <laughs> yeah, well, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, I was like, she's going to say too many, too many to name. Um, okay, well, I mean, well, what's a popular? I was really obsessed with the Babysitters Club, but there was like, I was looking for it the other day. It was like the Babysitters Club Junior or something, but it was the the middle grade version, or I don't know, for younger kids. And in my head, I had this whole idea that like that's what I wanted to do but yeah. then I started babysitting I was like this is not what it takes <laughs> you know boy, you know the babysitters club like when they did that Netflix um the, the... I couldn't even watch it because I was like it's not gonna be the same yeah you know what like I I was like like you so obsessed with babysitters club um it was the friendship thing for me mm -hmm. I was like oh I don't want to babysit but it was definitely the, the different <laughs> friendships and and how each of them were connected and how they were so different but when they did that series oh my god uh, when they did that on netflix i watched mm -hmm. it i had to and now i'm like come on when's the next one coming out <laughs> <laughs> ass woman, like when's the next one coming out hurry up but i too was watching it going oh yeah no you know like oh that character could have been oh why did you i loved it but you know i was still kind of critiquing it um do you like film adaptations of books while we're on this Netflix? Do you like, um, yeah, do you like film adaptations of books? Like the movies? Yeah, like do you like it when they, they make a book into a movie? I do most of the time. <laughs> there are some times where it's like, oh, I don't, the character you chose doesn't do it for me. Um, but yeah, so most of the time I love it. But I don't know if you've ever read um, The Vampire Academy. That was like my all-time favorite uh, vampire series. But they made that into a movie and I just couldn't watch it. The people that they chose, they just weren't the people that were in my mind. So right. it, yeah, sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. Yeah, there's probably 10 million other people saying the same thing as <laughs> yeah. you. It just wasn't how I imagined that character to be. <laughs> And you know, on Twitter, everybody has all their opinions well, about. <laughs> right, you know how it is. You know how it is. <laughs> What's a popular book that you disliked? You know, a book that everyone raved about. Um, it might be recent. It could be a book, you know, from 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 the past, like a book that everyone raved about, and then you read it and you're like, oh, build ups. <laughs> 
So I read a lot of um, romance and I don't know if you've seen this book, but it's called Beach Read. It has like a yellow cover and there's like two people laying on um, beach towels. And I thought it was going to be like super funny book and all about them like with, on the beach in the ocean. But then I started reading it and it was so sad. And I was like, I can't <laughs> read this. So they tricked like, you. It was yeah. that, that that front cover was a trick, right? <laughs> so I don't know, but it was just the mood that I was. I'm very much a mood reader, so if yeah. I go into a book with a certain mood, like I need that fulfilled, and if not, then I just move on really quickly. So that was a really popular book um, last year, maybe. Yeah, I just that, I didn't read it. Was it a book from? Um, do you follow Reese? with the spoons book club was it a book from from her recommendation i think it might have been yeah because i'm like that, that sounds like a book that was <laughs> i mean i I've, I've gotten some great reads from her book recommendations mm -hmm. but i'm like that sounds like something from her page <laughs> yeah i'm pretty sure it was <laughs> how dare how dare they trick us like that well, like it's um, sad like at least put a sad face so i know <laughs> i don't yeah. know you know, you know um, a book that I actually saw advertised on her page um, and then many other pages is that, um, I don't know if you've read it, is it something like Crawford, the Crawford? Oh, When the Crawford Something the, Sings. Yeah. I tried. I tried I so tried. hard to read it. Oh, my God. Do I have? I tried, but I just couldn't get into it. Yeah, maybe, I couldn't either. One of my it. friends actually gave me the book because she loved it so much, okay. but I, I couldn't get into it. And I was like, oh, maybe if I try the audiobook, and then I never tried the audiobook. So. <laughs> yeah, maybe I need to try the audiobook. I don't know. I've tried, um, and it's been recommended to me by mm -hmm. uh, so many people. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> I can't. I've tried. I mean, what makes you recommend a book? Like, what is it like? you're reading a book what makes you recommend a book to friends or to colleagues or to bookstagram family who yeah. <laughs> a book needs to grab me within like the first two pages I'm one of those people that I just if I don't like it in the first few pages I just won't read it right. so if it grabs me and pulls me in and then I can't put it down I also have to read a book within like one or two days because after that, if I don't finish it in two days, I'm never going to finish it. <laughs> so if I read it that quickly and it and it kept me engaged the whole time, then that's when I recommend the book. Okay. Uh, what What is a genre? Um, I know you've said you read a lot of romance, you love fantasy. What's a genre that you don't read ever? I have to... Well, I don't ever read horror. I... Um, I don't know if this is one is considered horror, but I read The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo and it was so good, but I just could not handle it. Like it was just way too much for me. The whole serial killer thing, like yeah. I can't handle that. So I can't read those <laughs> kinds of books anymore. Um, let's, hey, while we're on this, hey, let's talk about um, Pieces of Me. Let's reset. <clears throat> <laughs> okay, so while we're on this, this, um, uh, this topic of books that you genres that you would never read I think this is the a great opportunity to bring up this book pieces of me mm. um 
notes by Samoan writer. Is it Poor Ramon or Poor Ramona? Am I just making it up? I think that's her name, Ramona. Yeah. yeah, her last yeah. Name. So Kelani discovered this book <laughs> and, and I saw her tweet about it and I was like, what? So then I <laughs> went and got it, but didn't read it till like a few weeks later. I think finally I had time and I was like, yo, I, I need to read right now. Let's talk about pieces of me. I've been trying to write this review like for like a whole week because I didn't know how to kind of like talk about it without giving stuff away. But, you know, let's talk about pieces of me. <laughs> yeah, I I don't remember how I found it. I think because <clears throat> on my Kindle, uh, they just like recommend books to you. And because I read all the Samoan books already, I think yeah. they just re- were like, here's yeah. one you didn't read. Right. <laughs> so then, um, <clears throat> sorry, my throat. But yeah, I started reading this book. It was really good. And then it was too much for me. Yeah. Uh, I, even though I am a romance reader, I don't ever read the steamy bits. I just right. roll through. But man, this book had a lot. <laughs> yeah. Like, I was not expecting that. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that because, you know, Kelani reads this book and then she tells, she's like, oh, she couldn't finish it. I'm like, well, okay, I'm going to start reading it. And then there's, yeah, I mean, I too, I read books. I've read books like this, but it was just so, I mean, what else do you call Steve? Like, it was like, I don't know, was it graphic? It was just... (laughs) <laughs> it, was, it was just wow. It was more. It was more like the decision making. I was like, are yeah, what? Like, are like you I was possible? more like eighteen. I don't know. Right, and I was mad. I was like getting so angry at that 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 character that we will not name because we're not giving it away. But this particular character just basically, man, they couldn't keep it in their pants. And then, <laughs> like, I just like I. I said to Kelani, I'm going to read. Like, I really just soldiered on and just tried not to think too much about that. Because I, it was almost like a distraction. And I felt like, I think I told you, I thought it was overkill. I thought that it didn't need to have so much of that steamy mm-hmm. thing going on. Because after the first time and the second time, I was like, okay, this guy's an egg. We get it. We get it, right? <laughs> He's an egg. But. Then, as I continued reading, man, I I cried. That's the moral of this this whole story is that I cried. <laughs> and then I I messaged Kailani and I was like, Oh my gosh, this I cried. That's what happened. <laughs> I mean, you know what it was like. I'm I'm such a sucker for like it's when I read books that, and I'm sure for you as well. You know, anything to do with culture. Mm-hmm you know, and, you know, finding yourself and, and that kind of, like, to do with our culture. And there was just a lot of stuff there, like a lot of things that, that resonated. And I just, you know, I'm one of those so emotional. <laughs> I feel like emotional get caught up in the in the book and I'm so invested in, in, in what's going on in these fictional characters' lives. And, um. But I just, yeah, thank you for recommending the book. Like, aside from that, and then I think we talked after about, what did I say again? Um, she was brave. I thought this author was so, like, I have to commend yeah. her. I mean, I thought yeah. she Yeah. <laughs> even, 
even though I didn't particularly enjoy the steamy bits, I know that other people will and yeah. that other people would like they're looking for books like that mm. that also um focus a lot on the family relationship and that's right. what I loved about her writing was that the sibling relationship um just mirrored I what I felt like what a sibling relationship actually right. looks like in our culture maybe not in everyone's families but like at least in um my family and my husband's family like that sibling relationship was so strong in that book and then the cultural aspects that she brought up yeah I just really enjoyed that part of the book and I think also like she really like pushed the boundaries right mm -hmm. um you know and I thought I didn't know that anyone I mean I know Albert went wrote you know um Leaves of the Banyan Tree mm -hmm. and what's the other is it Mango um Mango Kisses you know like if you've read those books of Albert Went then they're quite in your face mm -hmm. steamy like real kind of like roses um you know things that dominant culture authors write about all the time but it's always a shock when it's like oh it's one of our people <laughs> writing it so it actually made me think about that because I was just like okay hold up hold up she's so brave um you know really pushing the boundaries but it like you said in connection to the relationships and when you like when you get to what the action like the, the story is about and there's all these like layers there's like a multitude of layers to the story and it kind of all makes sense and I feel like maybe that's why she pushed that so much is to really get to the core of it and you know as with you know we know in our culture there are many issues and many taboo subjects that are really pushed under swept under the carpet right and she really touches upon a lot of these things so I think that's why I cried <laughs> I, I mean that's just like you know so I, I I must commend her for that even though I was a bit we were both shocked at, at the extent of seeminess but I thought you know what Albert Went did it why yeah, can't she has the gal too. Yeah, Thanks. and yes, 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 <laughs> absolutely. I was like, yes, thanks for bringing that up. Yes, I was like, man, good, you know, good on you. And I read a lot of reviews and people loved it, loved her mm -hmm. book. Um, I don't think anyone focused on the steamy things, probably just us two, because I didn't read any <laughs> review that said anything about that. I was like, oh. That's why I wasn't run. expecting it. It was like, <laughs> I was just like, what was this? What, what's going on here but yeah hats off to um Pua, um yeah well done <laughs> so um what has been on your to be read list for the longest time oh so many books <laughs> i really wanted i really want to read um cemetery boys and ace of space I don't know if you've seen those books, but they've been going around. Um, it's on a hold at my library, but my library is taking too long. It still says it's on order, so it won't be here for a little bit. Um, and then I've just gotten into middle grade books. They're kind of really fun. I never thought I would be into middle grade books as an adult. Um, so if you have any recommendations for middle grade books. <laughs> yeah, I love reading middle school books, middle grade books, because I teach, you know, middle school and I'm always looking for books um, 
I follow Project Lit Community. I follow um, Penguin Classroom. And I always repost um, their stuff on my stories. It's, it's more of a reminder to me that those are the books, those are the things that I need to look up for my own classes. But yeah, I, I see that you're getting into middle grade books and I'm like, okay, cool. Okay, we're cool like that. Um, do you have a Goodreads book challenge? I mean, don't even get me started on my bots Goodreads book <laughs> challenge. And I'm not even a third of the way through. And even my friends, they're like, are you are you all good? What, are, you, are you sure you're going to make that? I'm like, plenty of time, plenty of time. What's your goal? <laughs> have you already passed your goal? Reach your goal? I, I know I'm going to reach it. So my goal is 70. Uh, and I've already read 50 books this year. So I don't, I don't count. Of course, I don't count the picture books. I only count right. the adult or the YA books. Right. And if a middle grade book is long enough, then I'll count that book. Yeah. Um, but I don't even keep it on Goodreads because I'm thinking like, I don't want everybody to know what I'm reading. <laughs> well, you <laughs> so know, much. <laughs> it's so funny that you mentioned that because I get, I mean, I don't want to be that guy. But people add me. I don't even know who they are on Goodreads. Yeah. And I just, I only, I re, I think I have five friends. And one of them is Katrina, Polynesian reader. Like, I I don't have, like, I, I just, I, like you. I'm like, do I really want them to see what I mean? I mean, not that I'm reading, like, I mean. I you know, know, it's not bad. You know, but. it's just, <laughs> but, you know, it's so funny because, um, yeah, it, that's kind of why at first I was like, oh you know, my students, because when I started Goodreads, I actually used my school email account because I'm so stupid. Like, I think a year or two years ago when I first started it, and then I started getting requests from my students. And I was just like, oh, I you know, I was like, I mean, I love my students. I, was like, I don't want them to see what I'm reading. I mean, not that I was reading anything silly, but I was like, decline, decline. And then I realized, <laughs> oh, I should change the email. So I changed the email. <laughs> And now I'm not getting any requests. Thank goodness. When your students are good reads, but I mean they love to read. I'm always, you know, I love we love talking about books, but I was like, I don't know if they should be following me on good reads. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I'm glad that you're nearly I, I feel like I'm proud of you. You're nearly at your goal. I'm nowhere near. Like seriously, what was I thinking? Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you call it? So is there a living author that you would like to meet right now? I really, really want to meet CMEAM. Uh, I'm a little bit obsessed with her. She, oh, my God. You know, yeah, carry on, carry on, sis, carry on. I mean, we've had this conversation before, yeah. but, oh, my gosh, her books are, I could, I don't know. Anyways, I feel like I'm just going to start gushing about her books. But so Scar of the Bamboo Leaf and then um, what's the other one again? Um, the Angel one. Oh, wait. Sorry, that's a spoiler. It's, um, it's Anyways, right. but both of her it's books right on the just, my brain right now, but yeah. So amazing. amazing. Just an amazing writer. I love the way she integrated the culture and then her books just like really just pull out your heartstrings and I just completely cried did you cry I cried I cried too. <laughs> like I do you know every I have read like Scar the Band I've read that book I don't even know how many times I've read it many times and every time I just cry because it's just <laughs> oh my sis 
I've recommended that book to so many people. I, I would say it's like my favorite book by a Pacifica author. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that one time I asked her, are you, you know, are you writing? Are you, because she's a teacher. Um, shout out to Sieni, um, you know, and I don't know if she has time, if she's going to be, I hope, I really hope that we can meet I her one day. I know, <laughs> I want, I don't know. I don't even know what I would ask her. I feel like I would just like, I don't know, it'd be so awkward because I would be fumbling at my mouth and I don't yeah. know, I would be definitely too starstruck. Yeah, that, that book is like, I want to, like, I want to ask her, um, like, are there parts of her in that book? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. In that story, or maybe not her, you know, are there parts of her, maybe her husband or people that they know, like, that's what I want to know, but um, yeah. And I really want a sequel. <laughs> I know. Oh my goodness! Like honestly, uh, I I hope she's writing. Um, although you know, as a teacher, I don't know how she would fit that in. Mm-hmm. But hopefully, uh, let's just keep cheering her on and yeah. <laughs> I book. think I saw one time on her Facebook page. She doesn't really post on her Facebook page, but that she had another book, and I was so excited. But then I looked at the date, and it was like three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Fingers crossed, fingers and toes crossed that, yeah, she's awesome. I would definitely love to read another book from her and meet her as well. Mm-hmm. Good, good choice, sis. Okay, let's talk about Pacifica Readathon Challenge. Hashtag Pacifica Readathon <laughs> Challenge, which was earlier this year in May. Um, it was put together, you know, um, shout out to Myra. I every, yeah, Tamara. I was like, did I just make up her name? No, yeah. Miss Islander <laughs> reads. Um, she amazing. She is amazing. Mm-hmm. And she uh got together a bunch of us and you know, we did this Pacifica Readathon challenge hashtag. Um, did you know that there were that many of us on Instagram? No, I had no idea. <laughs> so maybe like at the end of last year or something, I um or whenever Katrina made her Polynesian Reader YouTube channel, that's right. when I found her on YouTube. And then I went to her Instagram. And then I think uh, I started I started following her. Then I started following you. And then I started following Mara. And then I also started following Stella. So you were the only four Pacifica uh, books <laughs> that I even knew of for months. <laughs> so um, once Mara put together the whole challenge, it was just so fun to meet everybody else in the uh, book community who also read just as much as we do. Right. I know. I was excited too. I didn't even know. Like, I was so shocked that there were that many of us. <laughs> um, and, you know, like, I think like both of us looking for others. You know, there were so mm-hmm. many of us for the longest time just hashtagging Pacifica or poly readers or, you know, putting those hashtags together on our posts but not knowing that there were others out there. So that was so cool. Do you think that we have a responsibility to uh, be promoting and sharing Pacifica authors and um, books? Do you think that we have a responsibility to do that? I feel the responsibility and that's why I started sharing. I started sharing um, books in the first place just because 
our books are can be so hard to find. And then, um, I mean, if you put in Google, you won't even get all the books that are available. And so I just wanted to be a resource for that. Um, and then also <laughs> during that month of May, I felt, I don't know why I, I needed to stop, but I felt a responsibility to go on everybody's Instagrams that were saying AAPI books, but no PI books. And then I started commenting <laughs> and calling them out. I was like, who do I think I am? Like, I need to stop. Somebody take away my phone. Cause I was like DMing all these people like, right. and some, some most didn't respond to me, but I was like, um, I don't know. I just felt that responsibility to do that. I feel you, sis. It's so funny that you mentioned that because I was going to say next question, let's talk about that hashtag AAPI. I was doing <laughs> the same thing, you know, like, for example, I follow Library FM, which they, um, I guess Library FM is like, it's a collective kind of thing. And then they promote different like bookstores, right? So they always post audiobooks. So then AAPI, Heritage Month, um, sorry for those who don't know, Asian, Asian American? Pacific mm-hmm. Island, right? So it's it's and they did their AAPI Heritage Month and these huge books, these bookshops and these like book pages were promoting AAPI hashtag, but they weren't even putting any Pacific Island <laughs> authors. So they were like, it was just a whole month. Kelani, I was doing exactly what you were doing, sis. I was like, I went on. I saw Libra FM. They posted something, and I went on there. I unfollowed Audible because I was so ingo ingo with them. No jokes. I was like, that's enough. I've had it because they would be posting AAPI and then I would go on there. Usually they you know, I, I'm always posting on Audible. They'll respond. But when I started posting, um, here are some, you know, please follow this hashtag. There is a collective of, Pacific, you know, Pacific Island bookstagrammers um, and they can show you that there are Pacific Island authors. They just ignored me, wouldn't even like my comments. Not that I care. But I was doing exactly what you're doing. I was hitting up like Library FM, Audible, all these big pages, big companies, and saying, follow our hashtag. You don't act, you're promoting AAPI, but you don't actually have any Pacific Island, you know, uh, authors on your lists. And it got, it got to the point where I was just kind of like really annoyed because what I was finding was that they were saying, um, they were posting, um, Filipino offers no no disrespect to, yeah you no know? but that's what they were considering Pacific Islander and so I was just um I was just getting annoyed because I felt like they had people that were given that job to post on the platforms and they were probably getting paid money and they weren't doing their job <laughs> one job you had one job one job it's like and how you know, how difficult is it to look, you know, to Google? And, you know, um, Lani, Lani uh, went, Lani Young, she, um, I think a few years ago, this is how I found out about all these uh, Polynesian authors, uh, Australasia, including Australasia, uh, Pacific, uh, Pacifica authors, is she put together these lists of, of yes. authors. And that's that's how, how I found all of them. <laughs> and so that's how I, um, a few years ago, I came across Sieni. Um, I mm-hmm. came across all these other authors. It was through that. And then I was, that's how I was posting on Bookstagram for, you know, on my page was, and I was so grateful that, you know, Lani went, did that. 
because I had read a lot of books on there, but then there were a lot of unknown authors that need their flowers, man. They got to be given their mm -hmm. flowers. So yeah, I feel you, sis. I I did the same thing. <laughs> um, so let's talk about your page. So for our audience, for our listeners, uh, Kelani, she runs, uh, she has an Instagram page, a bookstagram page, at Little Pacifica Reads, uh, Little Pacifica Reads. Um, what prompted you to start the bookstagram account? I mean, you've already kind of alluded to it. Um, yeah, I mean, when, like, before you did the bookstagram account, before you discovered uh, Katrina's booktube, were you posting about books like on another platform or like what brought you to Instagram? Was it just purely <laughs> because you saw Polynesian Reader, you saw Katrina's um, post or? I had always been following um, children's bookstagrammers. <clears throat> and so one of my favorites is, I don't even know how to say her handle, but it's like here we e-read or something like that. Um, but she posts a lot of um, Black authors and books celebrating Black children. And so I followed her for a really long time and I really enjoyed her content. And then I followed other people. Sorry, my throat is like, <clears throat> but anyway, so, and then, um, yeah, as I, sorry, let me back up a few years. So I used to be a teacher and when I was a teacher, I was constantly looking for books for our students. So the, the school that I was teaching at, we mainly had Samoans, Tongans, Hawaiians, and Marshallese students. And so I was always looking for books that represented them and they're so hard to find. Um, but every time I, I was away from Hawaii at that time, but every time I came home to Hawaii, I would go to the, the thrift store and I would just find every single book I could find um, for like a dollar each. And then I would bring them back with me to the school that I was at. And then the kids would be so excited to see uh, books with people who look like them. And so ever since then, I, I had always been on the lookout. And so when I started having my own kids, I did the same thing. I went back to the thrift stores and got every single book I could find. Um, and then as my kids got older, my daughter wanted more books. So then I started looking for other authors online and um, getting their books shipped to me. Um, and then I was like, uh, thinking about how hard it is for parents to find these books for their children. And so that's when I started to have the idea, but it wasn't until I saw um, Polynesian Reader that I was like, oh, I could do this. <clears throat> I could just take pictures of books and just post them. I really didn't think that anyone would follow me. I was like, oh, maybe like my family or something. Um, but as I met more and more people, more people were searching for the same type of books that I was searching for. And so it kind of morphed into this whole thing. So I guess that um, is perfect uh, lead on to um, the next part of this interview. Um, you are an aspiring author, a writer. Um, <laughs> I read this tweet that you wrote, um, not recently, but uh, you said, my writing process Number one, writing during the day while my kids destroy the house. <laughs> Number two, writing at night, but I keep falling asleep. So my question is, how many hours a day are you trying to dedicate to writing? It varies. Every single day is a new adventure. <laughs> um, 
but uh, some days I get, I have to just go with whatever comes to my mind. So even if it's not like the best time to start writing and pull out the computer, I just pull out my phone and I just start writing on my phone. Sometimes I'll be driving and it, like this idea pops into my mind and I have to get it out. So I just pull over on the side of the road and I just have to <laughs> write it down really fast. Got to be safe. Uh, well done. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> Or uh, sometimes uh, I'm like washing the dishes and an idea pops into my mind. So I just hurry up and I grab my phone and I write it down. Um, so I don't, I'm not a writer where I like set a time limit. I don't think I can do that with my kids because my kids, they're always crawling all over me. Um, yeah, so sometimes I set, so most of the time it's just randomly throughout the day that I'm writing. There are some days where I just feel like I have a lot to write down. So then in the nighttime after my kids go to sleep, then I start writing and writing and writing. But then like I'm also falling asleep. <laughs> You're like. Uh. <laughs> and, and then when I wake up in the morning and I read it, I'm like, oh my gosh, that was terrible. <laughs> When, when did you when did you um decide that you wanted to get into writing? Like, what was it that kind of like inspired you um to initially get into writing? Or have you? I mean, or are you someone that's always been journaling and writing? Um, no, writing? <laughs> I'm not a journaler. Is that a word? I don't know. But um, <laughs> I just started writing last year during the pandemic. I um I was pregnant at the time and my daughter she had started taking these like three hour naps during the day and then she would go to sleep at like eight o'clock so then I would have these huge amounts of time and I had watched every single Netflix show that I wanted to watch and then my grandma's voice kept playing in my head that I need to uh, nurture my talent <laughs> so my this is a random side story but my grandma she's always been a guitar player and as she got older, she got arthritis, she couldn't play the guitar. So at like 80 years old, she decided to learn how to play the harmonica because she needed to nurture her talent. So then she <laughs> taught herself how to play the harmonica. So while I was sitting there watching all my Netflix shows, I just, I, I felt my grandma scolding me, like hitting me in the back of my head, like, what are you doing here? <laughs> So uh, it was a call from my grandma that I needed to start doing something more productive. And so I started writing and it kind of just morphed from there. And I ended up finding a whole community of people who write. So we switch our uh, manuscripts back and forth and we're able to critique, critique each other um, and get better at it. So, yeah, That's so cool. Um... Have you ever gone on a literary pilgrimage or thought about it, you know, where you perhaps visit, um, like, well, you can't visit Australia, but a favorite author's, <laughs> like, their, their hometown or a setting where a story has taken place? Um, like, have you ever thought about doing something like that? Or have you? I think about that? it all the time, <laughs> but it never happened. <laughs> <laughs> And so if you, I mean, where would you want to, like, if you think about a book, like any particular book, what, where would you want to go? Like, which book, where is the setting? If there was no pandemic, if there was nothing stopping you from being able to travel, where would you visit? 
um, this is random, but there was one time in my life where I was really into books um, that were set in Ireland. And so I had this whole fantasy about going to Ireland and having like a true Irish experience or whatever. And so I would love to do that. So that's, that's, that's one hand of the... I don't know, it just seems so, I know their history is very, very tough, um, but, the, and the, but the castles are just so amazing and the ruins that are there, um, I would love to be able to walk that area. And then on the other hand, I'd also just really love to have a day where I can just sit in my car and stare at the ocean. I'm not trying to go on the beach. It's like, it's way too hot outside. And right. I don't like the sun. But I just want to sit at the ocean and just be like, uh, have a creative moment that way. So that's very, two very different uh, <laughs> perspectives. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Have you um, considered writing under a pseudonym? Or are you happy just to kind of put your name out there? I've thought about writing under a pseudonym, but then it it almost makes, I know it's it's a very valid option for some people, but I feel like I need to put my name out there because I know that there's kids who need to see names that look like theirs. And so um, that was another reason why I, not another reason, but one of the main reasons why I keep writing is because I keep thinking about those kids who live in the middle of nowhere and they go to the library and there's no books that look like them. Um, but I would love for my book to be able to be in those random places where someone kids live, like in the middle of Kansas or Missouri, I don't know. And they go to the library and they see an, an author's name that is similar to their name or a picture that looks like them. Great answer. Um, when you think about your writing, are you trying to be original or is it more about writing for what you think readers might want to read? It really just depends on what comes in my mind. <laughs> it's hard because when you're writing, you can't you can't really write for anybody else. You kind of have to just uh, go with uh, what you're thinking and feeling in that moment, and then um, and then go from there. Does that make sense? I don't know. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so then, what does literary success look like to you? I mean, I have huge dreams, but I don't know if they're possible. <laughs> what are some of your dreams then? Like, what do you, like, if you think of, like, if you could go into the future, your, you know, award-winning author, one-on writer, <laughs> what would that success look like? So for me, there's a few um, authors that I really look up to their entire career. And one is a Native American author, Cynthia Smith. She's written, um, she just came out with a few books, Hearts Unbroken and uh, The Never See Sisters or something like that. It's a, it's a retelling of, a, of Peter Pan um, from a Native American point of view. 
And so for her, she's been writing for years and years, maybe like 20, 30 years. Um, and she was one of the first Native American authors writing in the children's literature section. Um, and now she has her own imprint at HarperCollins Publishing Company. <clears throat> and so her imprint focuses on um, publishing the indigenous people of the US and Canada. And so I don't know if this will ever happen, it probably won't, but my really, my big dream, and not even, I don't even have to do this, but my big dream is to have an imprint at a large company that would be able to distribute books to the world specifically for Pacific Islanders. Um, and in my head, that imprint would equally um, have authors from Melanesia, Micronesia, Polynesia, um, even our other oceanic, Oceania people um, in Australia or whoever else is connected to us in our ocean. So that's my dream. It probably won't happen. And if it, if it happens, say that. it probably won't be me, but <laughs> yeah. Okay. Nice. Let's say that anything is possible. Um, <laughs> have you, um, do you want to write books? Um, you know, in your languages and perhaps Hawaiian language uh, or in Samoan? Is that something that you think you could do or would want to do in the it's future? It's something that terrifies me. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if I would ever be qualified uh, to do something like that because my knowledge of both languages, I feel like they're so small. Um, but I would love to do something similar to what um, Dalia Malayulu is doing, mm -hmm. where you code switch. And so then you um, pick words from the languages that you want your readers to know and understand by the end of the book. And you use those words throughout the book so that by the end, they know exactly what those words mean. Um, so I, I would do something like that, but I don't know if I would ever have the mastery of the language to be able to write a full book in either language. Yeah, a shout out to Dahlia, man. I love you. We're both big fans. We're just super fans of Dahlia. Malayulu, shout out to Dahlia and just the work that she's doing. I feel like they need to have a symposium or something, something where it just brings together aspiring writers and a panel mm -hmm. of established Pacifica writers. Um, you know? <laughs> yes. I would I really want that. That's another dream too. Not for me to be on the panel, but for me to be able to attend a place where all of these established authors um are and then they can just help us along with the wisdom. Wouldn't you just want to hear their all of their stories? <laughs> yeah, like we're yeah, I mean, you know, um I think that there are a lot of Pacific Islanders out there doing the hard work and and mm -hmm. just writing you know they're independently uh trying to get their work out there um they just think they just they don't get like the the they don't get the spotlight do you know what I mean I I know that there's mm -hmm. um there are other people putting out like language books um you know in te reo and and uh Kukala Māori and uh, Tongan they're just um, not 
they don't get that full exposure, right? So, mm -hmm. like, I wish there was a, a, a database or something established so that anyone, even uh, up-and-coming and aspiring writers who are planning to put out work, I wish there was a database that we could have and, and have access to. And, and so that way we can then promote. Like, every, mm -hmm. every time I see someone, um, I'll get people who hit me up and be like, have you, have you heard of this person? And then I go and check out what they're doing. And I just like to promote that. Do you know what I mean? So if there was some kind of database, um, I don't know who would put it together. <laughs> but just someone, you know, I, I just wish that there was something like that so then we could promote the different types of authors um, and different genres of work that are out there. Because I know there are people out there, but you just, mm -hmm. um, this other time someone, I think it was like this, one of my friends shared, um, I think it's a businesswoman, and she had, I guess, put out a, kind of like a memoir um, based on her experience. Um, and I thought I couldn't get access to the book, they don't ship here. Um, it was really difficult to kind of get a hold of that book. And I'm still trying to find how can I get a copy or something online that I can read so I know that there are people out there doing it I uh, like yourself um, but we just need to have it somewhere stored somewhere yeah, so people can access and and put that information out there you know because I you know writing isn't it's I mean I'm not a writer I, I don't know but I imagine it's not an easy thing to do uh, it's a lot of like blood sweat and tears I'm sure so um I'm I love I love that you shared your dreams and never say never, never say never. <laughs> um, so which age group are you actually? Um, I know you, you, you're getting into middle grade. I know that you promote a lot of the picture books. Are you? Is that kind of the audience that you are writing for, um, or are you looking at like middle, middle, middle school? Uh, what's your like target audience? Do so you have I a target audience. So far, I've written mainly picture books, and so picture books. So in the U.S. publishing world, it's uh, yeah, there's specific ages that belong to each group. So picture books are ages four through eight, and then middle grade is ages eight through twelve, and then young adult is twelve to eighteen. So I've been focusing on picture books, and um, I'm actually so. I actually got a literary agent and she's based in New York and um, we actually have a book right now that she sent out to publishers. So we're just waiting to hear back from publishers if they want to take on the book or not. It's a really lengthy process. So even if a publisher offers to sign me as an author and my book, it'll be about two to three years before my book is ever out on the shelves it's really long <laughs> wow. and so I've been focusing mainly on picture books but I do have projects that I'm working on in um, middle grade and then also in young adult but I those just take a long time to write because they're way more words than a picture book <laughs> wow so. two to three years I mean does that make you want to go independent and like maybe put it out yourself I don't know if that sounds right like do you know what I mean because I, I know yeah. some people who who don't have an agent they just 
they write and then they get like an illustrator if that's if that's something they need and then they um do you know what I mean there's like mm-hmm. it's not as a it's not as lengthy a process as going through all those big companies I mean does that make you want to be like okay I'm just going to do it my way and, <laughs> and kind of like draw on people that I can connect with who can do this and that and then piece it together or are you feeling a bit more comfortable um to just kind of like go through that process like are you what are your thoughts on that yeah when I first started writing when you first start writing you have to make a decision if you want to go through uh self-publishing or if you want to go through traditional publishing and so most um Pacifica authors outside of New Zealand um have gone through self-publishing which is really amazing that they do that because it's so much work it's like ridiculous how much work it takes to be self-published and then I mean it's also a lot of work to be traditionally published Um, but self-publishing is a shorter time frame but you do have to put up the money for all of those all of the things and it's expensive so getting an illustrator is thousands of dollars and then um, the printing your book and then distributing your book. So, and then um, as the self-publisher, you also have to be marketing your book right. and then you will have to be doing all of the back end things. <laughs> and so when I saw how much work, um, so you're you like, have to ask yourself, like <laughs> you have to ask yourself if you're willing to be a business person yeah. because essentially you're an entrepreneur and you created right. your own publishing company, your own business right. as a self-publisher. And I was like, I don't know if I can handle all of that going on in my brain. Uh, now that you've explained it and, and broken it down, I'm like, Oh no, nah, I totally get why you yeah. What's two years really time yeah. flies, right? So good on you. Sis. So one of the one of the self publishers that I really admire is Tony Laulu. He's the author of oh, yes, Wa'u yes, yes. Samoa yeah. and uh the other the holiday one. Yeah. Because he man, he does everything because he also, not only does he do all of the stuff that I mentioned, but he also reaches out to um the charity people yeah. like the who buy his books and then right. donate it to schools and man, he does a lot of work um so I always look at things like that and I just think like I'm just in awe of the things that uh people do as self-published authors so then I had to do but then if you go the traditional route you have to get about maybe like 20 to 30 people to believe in you <laughs> and so <laughs> to believe in you <laughs> And these are all people who aren't someone who aren't Hawaiian. Yeah. Because the if you look at the publishing world in the US, uh, there's nobody there. There's only one person that I know of who is Maori mm. and he is in the traditional publishing world and he publishes in um in Australia. But he does adult romance and I don't write adult romance. So <laughs> I I couldn't go I couldn't go that route so uh yeah when you're writing your book you really have to um write a book that that showcases your culture in a universal way Mm. and so not necessarily that you're writing for the white gays or white people you can definitely write for your people and for your community um but you have to keep in mind if you want to be a traditional writer 
that you, um, you have to get people to buy into your book. And these are people who get maybe like uh, 300, 400 books a month of people saying, please publish my book. So you have to be one of those people. Man, um, yeah, shout out to our Tony. Uh, check him out on <laughs> IG at Chief Book Series. Uh, check out what the brother's doing on there. Um, man, sis, there are no words. <laughs> <What's the> word? <laughs> I, I, I was just like, I, I don't know what else to say now. So I guess it's it's just um we get to this point of the show where you share your book recommendations. Um, <laughs> do you have any book recommendations? Is there something you're itching for people to like read to check out? What do you have for us? So I did bring a couple with me. Probably my favorite ever Hawaiian book is this one, Kao Nani. And um, if you open it, it's a vocabulary book, but it's a picture of vocabulary book. Like I need, I needed this in my life when I was trying to learn Hawaiian. But it, um, yeah, you don't have to just see words on a page and the English translation. You can actually learn the words in um, in where you would actually use it. Yeah. And then what else did I bring? Yeah, if you haven't read Telesa, I feel like everybody should. It should be on everybody's uh, PBR if you haven't read Telesaf before. <laughs> and then, as always, I always recommend Scar of the Bamboo Bullies. I know we already talked about that by CNAM, but I always recommend that book. Thank you, sis. Man, yeah, definitely. Great recommendations there. Um, we'll make sure we link so that people can, and can get at it. I... Um, you know, as you know, we'd like to get guests to drop some words of wisdom, uh, words of encouragement for our audience. Um, I just want to say, first of all, though, before I hand it over to you, um, it's such an honor to have you here. Like, honestly, it's just like, I love meeting the Bookstagram family. Like, I interviewed Sela, as you know, um, and a few days ago, I interviewed Katrina, and we laughed probably as much as we laughed today, which was great. <laughs> so, um, it's yeah, thank you so much for coming through. I know you're a busy mom. I know you've got a lot of things going on, but I really appreciate you um, not just coming on the show, but you're always supporting the podcast, um, you know, hyping me up with my books and book recommendations and stuff, <laughs> like, like always offering encouragement, not just with the with the podcast, but just with um, books in general and through Bookstagram. So, you know, I really appreciate that. I'm so glad that we connected through uh, the Bookstagram, Pacifica Bookstagram Collective. Um, you've dropped so many gems today. I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, what's going to be the episode title? There were so many things, so many things. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so um, blessings, sis. Um, thank you so much. And I will hand it over to you uh, just to finish up, uh, finish up the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Rosa. I feel like uh, we were already friends before we even <laughs> seen each other. So, And I always appreciate the things that you share. I feel like I'm just a huge fan of yours because everything you post on Bookstagram or everything you post on YouTube, I'm always like, oh, I gotta, I gotta see what she's doing. Um, so anyway, so just to finish this off, I just really wanna encourage our writers, our creators, 
just keep doing what you're doing and dream big and just put yourself out there. Um, the worst thing people can say is no. I mean, people can probably say worse things than no, but um, <laughs> but just brush it off and just keep going. Just keep going forward um, because there are people here like us who are dying to see more of our books out there, especially our books from our islands who aren't um, who don't get as much of attention. So like islands like Vanuatu or Palau or Yap or Krai, I'd love to see more books from these um, island nations because they have so many stories to tell. Our legends just, if you ever listen to the oral storytelling, they're so beautiful. Um, and whether your creative work is in writing or in art, or in speaking to each other like this, uh, just I just want to encourage people to keep doing what you're doing because we're all of us who consume these things. We're we're ready for whenever anyone drops anything. So thank you so much for having me, Rosa.